kind of let's stay in that place um, as this reading happens now and as James comes to speak to us. So our reading from the scripture this morning is Genesis chapter 2. Verses 15 to 24. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Great. There's all sorts of microphones flying everywhere at the minute. Brilliant. Yeah. I'd love to do a thing before we just get into um, the scriptures this morning. Uh, we've been in a month of discernment and I guess sharing just some things that we feel God is wanting to develop and pour into uh, the church in a deeper way just in the coming season. And uh, a week ago, Louise and I were sharing about how God is calling us to build bonds of love, to be family with one another, uh, to have strong households, uh, but also um, to be, be like the early church who were one in heart and mind, sharing together, united together, despite the, the vast numbers that they were experiencing. So I just... Yesterday, I was just praying, praying for us today, and um, what I'd love to do in a mo like right now is I'd love to take um, a financial offering, and what we're going to do is gather it in, and then what I'd love to do is to say this week, if anyone here is up against it financially, please could you email Ed Crabell, our associate vicar, to stand up. 
Everybody just show a heart sign to Ed. Everybody give him a heart sign. Everybody give Ed a heart sign, yeah. Um, only Ed's going to see this email and then he will distribute, you know, what comes in um, as he just prays over it and sees fit. So I just think, um, you know, we need to find different economic models in this day and age. And I'm not going to try and fix um, capitalism or communism in the next 20 minutes. Um, but what I do think is biblical is that we provide for those who are in need. So very simply, I'd really like us to do this and just have a holy moment as we do this. Um, what I'd love to do is just to do it, and I'll, I'll just lead us very simply in worship. Um, we've got some baskets that are going to go round. Uh, Pippa at the back, um, Warrior Queen, where are you? Just give us a, a little wave. Pippa's got a card machine. Um, so very, this is just so simple. All we're going to do is gather up just an offering today, and then Ed's email should appear on the screen. I just want to say, we've been saying it all year, and we'll say it for the next eternity. We are a shame-free church. So can I just say, we want to do this in a dignified way, but if you actually are up against it this week, we'd like to bring you under not only the spiritual umbrella of God's provision, his abundance this morning, but also the material umbrella of God's provision and abundance through the church today. So if you would like to, and I encourage you to do that. If you're up against it this week, would you please email Ed today as you go home? Or if you know someone who's in church who isn't here today, you email them today, and then we'll distribute what comes in today. So if we could just begin to put the baskets around, uh, we'll try and do this fairly quickly. You know how we love to give, don't you? We get our wallets, we open them as wide as we can, we turn them upside down, and then we pass the offering plate onwards. Um, it's our joy to give, and um, what's that? Let's sing together. Worthy of the song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. We live to you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above all names. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one you could ever say. Worthy of all the breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy. And holy there is in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart. 
me in your love. Sing holy. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your church but also that through what God does through us that many will be blessed and even as this time of year uh, feels like the bills may be stacking up that God's wonderful extravagant uh, abundance would just provide for every need that cups would runneth over that there would be more than enough to be a blessing wherever we go why don't we just just grab a hand of those next to us and just just pray for a minute or two um, and uh, just release God's blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray that we would be a community where there is no one in need. But not to be uh, superior or set apart, but so that we are perfectly positioned to be such a blessing in this world. So would you do what needs to be done? Thank you, Father, that you do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And that's who you are and that's in your nature. And so we pray that you would do a grace in us that we can freely, as we receive, freely give. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. Um, I'd love to just thank you just time and again. Um, time and again uh, is just such a blessing to be a part of this community. So I thought this would take three minutes, but look, we've got a massive queue. <laughs> Um, who knows, it might be the countryside and the old card reader isn't picking it up, but, but actually it's just a sign as we've given, just the, um, yeah, just, I thank God for all of you and just for his, his work within you. We, uh, how many days is the kingdom to be released in a week? Okay, sorry. Okay, let me ask more enigmatic, oblique questions and see whether I get a ringing silence back from you. For how many days are you meant to release the kingdom? Seven. Seven. Hooray. Hooray. Fantastic. And so we love it Monday to Saturday. Um, but even as we're just um, in this month of discernment, uh, one of the things that we need to adjust as the church is growing is how we can all serve the centre and the gathering point when we meet. And uh, wonderful as it is to fly away. I mean, we're, we're such dreamers. We love it. We had a staff day in the spring, and Philly Pearson-Miles, our church administrator, what she came up with was a 10,000-seater 10, 10, church in the middle of the quarry, <laughs> like an Olympic village where there's accommodation for all the homeless and all that. Yeah, come on. We love it. <laughs> We love it. So that's the kind of community we are. And I think when the Holy Spirit moves, then it seems to me that young people dream and old people see. Yeah, so it's really, really good. Uh, but also we've got babies coming out of our ears. Um, the young, which is, I mean, clearly you, clearly you lot are having a lot of fun. So it's good, isn't it? Clearly not working hard enough. Um, so, so that's really good. Um, also, um, I think it was two weeks ago, our older youth ended up in Ed and Michelle's house because uh, there were too many in the youth club uh, to run the session. Um, we need people who are tremendous at hosting the presence of the Lord and being lovely to people to join our teams. And the church is just expanding. We, we need all sorts of stuff. So on your way out, here, here's the thing, you know, Back in uh, April, we had a few visitors amongst us, and, and they basically said, listen, revival could really just break out here and now. And I was thinking, yeah, that would be tremendous, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. All right, I, I, all right, okay, if I did this talk and I said, who's here for revival? Rah! And who, all right, who's here for revival? Yeah. yeah, whoa, come on, that's why we're here, isn't it? Okay, who's ready for revival? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's kind of like right, we're ready for revival but please don't bring any under threes with you okay it's just like we just can't have any more so so there's a sense in which what this season about it is about is i don't know if we are ready in 2020 but we're getting ready because we just want to create a wineskin for all God wants to pour out and flourish in it so that we don't have wild-eyed people at the centre of church life um, and uh, all of that stuff. So here's, here's what I would like to invite you strongly to do. 
which is you are going to get one of these, which is um, a free will offering. We want to build a tabernacle for the glory of the Lord. And we don't just want to remain spiritual. We want it to be cashed out, literally, but also relationally in strong households, incredible relationships, able to welcome the least, the lost and the broken. Okay, so what, what you're going to get as we go for our fire drill um, is you, you're going to get one of these and I'd love you just to pray over it and return it about what you can freely offer into the centre so that when we gather, we're able to, to do this well. We're able to steward what God is doing really, really well and we don't have a few who are threadbare at the centre of church life and the rest of us thinking, oh, I wish they'd just tell me how we can contribute. This is how we're inviting you to contribute and i love you to do that it says free will offering to strengthen and build for growth okay so please get that please pray over it and return it this side of next sunday <laughs> um and that would be terrific is that all right fantastic has everyone got that brilliant right okay <clears throat> When I told the team we were doing Genesis chapter 2, there was a slight thrill, stroke, shiver of excitement from one or two who were thinking, finally we get to talk about marriage and relationships, men and women. <laughs> Not looking anywhere in particular. Um, but we'll, we'll, do that. we'll do that sometime in the new year. The title for this morning, we're concluding our month of this sermon. I just want to say, just thank you everybody for engaging. We've got, we haven't begun sifting through them yet. We've got a ton of return surveys. We had a, that stunning night two weeks ago where people came and laid prophetic words on the cross of Jesus. And Sarah, Sarah Binney's collected up a stack of prophetic stuff and been receiving them by email. So what we're going to do in that process is um, we're basically setting up a war room in December and January where we're going to weigh all that stuff, sift through it, and we're basically going to say, Lord, how do you want us to move forward next? Then our church council gathers in January. We're going to thrash all that. The war room's going to make some recommendations. We're going to then gather the church council, pray that through, and then we're going to talk to you guys again, probably end of February, in terms of what this means, what we're going to do, and uh, how we might move forward. We've got some short-term uh, challenges, and we've got a little team buzzing on those in terms of what this looks like after Christmas in the immediate. Uh, but that's the kind of process in terms of how we're picking up the month of discernment and how we're going forwards. So this morning, I just want to land it um, in some ways briefly. Uh, but what I want to talk about is gazing into the promised land. Gazing into the promised land. And I hope that this makes some sense for us individually, but also for us as a church, gazing into the promised land. And the problem that I put before us is from Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Because you remember that the people of God are on the edge of the promised land. And um, they round up 12 uh, representatives, 12 spies, and they basically say, go and check out the promised land and let us know what you think. And so the 12 of them go off and they return. And two out of 12 are really, really excited. 10 out of 12 are freaking out. They're basically like, the people are too big there, the cities are all fortified, we're going to get our butts absolutely kicked if we go in there, let's go somewhere else. It is a paraphrase of Numbers 13 and 14. 
There are two out of 12. So a sixth, a sixth of people look into the promised land and full of excitement saying, no, the Lord has given us this land. The Lord will do it. The Lord will deliver us. He will give it into our hands. Game on. So I know that you are amongst the sixth, the two out of 12. But just in case there are one or two, you know, just who might possibly at times find themselves slightly wondering how on earth we might conquer the mountains in front of us. What I wanted to do was basically just talk a little bit about how we look into impossibility and look at it as being the most normal, shallow foothills to conquer when we're faced with Mount Everest. How we gaze into the promised land. And just by way of, if there's anyone new amongst us today, the promised land for us as a community is the kingdom of heaven spiritually, tangibly, hovering, manifesting, dwelling in this place in a way that affects every street, every household, every school, every business, that the glory of the Lord will be so welcome and honoured in our land that literally just drawing near to the presence of the Lord will find what Sarah was leading in, chains being broken off, addictions being scattered, and that the salvation is springing up from the ground. One of, the, one of the fantastic things about having interns in the church is that you get to know them. And, um, you know, brilliant question, which I think resounds back from our vision, which is, is that completely unrealistic? Is it unrealistic? I mean, you know, because the narrative of Christianity is basically cling on to the end, things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and then Jesus will return and we'll all go and hang out on clouds when we die. Isn't it? And the narrative of this nation is kind of an interesting, you know, moment right now. It's the most normal vision in the world. It's the most biblical vision because there were 12 fishermen and their mates and wives and children who gathered in Jerusalem where they'd slaughtered their Lord and Master Jesus only 50 days before and about 120 of them changed that whole city in such a way that they had to kick them out a few years later because the authorities couldn't cope with it but that didn't stamp out what God was doing. They changed and transformed the most totalitarian, oppressive empire that has probably ever existed. And in 300 short years, they totally transformed the social fabric of the Roman world in such a way that Constantine in the fourth century had to say, we better become Christian, otherwise this is becoming far too a powerful movement amongst our countries and cities and, and uh, amongst our civilization, we better adopt it as our own. They changed from the worship of Caesar to the worship of Jesus Christ in just 300 short years. When the Welsh revival uh, struck, they basically found the landlords and publicans had to find different employment because suddenly people weren't drinking at night. They were gathering to sing hymns and to pray together. In the, Hebridean, in the, in the outer Hebrides, there was such a social transformation that people, when they farmed, would be reciting scripture to one another. You know, this is the most normal vision of Christianity that I can find. It's different to what we've grown up with or what we're used to, 
perhaps some of us, but it is the most normal vision of Christianity. And you can see the seeds of it written in some of the stories here of transformation that God is doing. So, I can't remember how that fits in, but I was getting excited. <laughs> so, but I, I think... I think there are basically two vehicles, spiritual vehicles, that bring change in us, that prepare us to look at impossibility and see it as the most normal thing for God to overcome. The first is the transformation of our minds. So even what I've just been doing over the last three or four minutes, I'm trying to puncture some of the narrative that we grow up with which is a, a sloppy reading of the book of Revelation, handed down through, you know, you know, a sort of in the sort of water somehow, and a, re, a, a fresh look at church history, you know, from the, from the first 300 years of Christianity, a reminder of on these islands what God has done within the last 100 years. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to almost speak to our hearts and renew our minds to actually believe what is in the scriptures. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 12 and he says, be transformed through the renewing of your minds. Okay? But there's another uh, which is really important. It's so important that we read the word, that we look at it with lenses of um, what is possible and of the kingdom coming into our midst and that we get this in us so that we begin to Believe that stuff and not just through the BBC News website. So that's one sort of stream that comes in, the renewal of the mind. The problem with that alone is that on a bad day, the renewal of the mind is hard work. Because when we're being assaulted in the mind, uh, it just can feel quite challenging. And on a bad day, the renewal of the mind can also be a bit works-based. Because you're like, okay... Oh, I'm up against the challenge. Remember the script. And sometimes that stirs up faith, but sometimes it's just a kind of remembrance of things which don't actually bring transformative power. It's the other stream is what I'd like to bring to us this morning. And what I'd like to do is, is set that up for us. Um, and then I'd like to pray for us this morning. Okay? So, is that okay? I'll try and make that clear in, in just a moment. The reason I've picked up a Genesis chapter 2 is because one of the things that we've been doing all year is looking at the scriptures and saying, Lord, where is the Father in this book? It doesn't always say the words Father, but where, where is Father God revealed in the scriptures to us? And what you find in Genesis 1 is a very macro vision of how the world is made. And I would root some of our kingdom theology right at the beginning in the mandate given to Adam and Eve to steward the earth, to exercise dominion or you know, authority over creation itself that was given to Adam and Eve and then is still the mandate on human beings even now. What you find in Genesis chapter 2 is a much more micro-localized vision of the account of creation is much more intimate and it's sighted and located geographically. So what you find at the start is the Lord God forming Adam from the dust of the ground, 
he breathes into his nostrils, which is a very intimate picture of the Lord God literally forming man and then breathing life into him face to face. So then Adam comes to life. He's then placed within a very specific garden located with, you know, geographical locations given to us. So it's very, um, rather than just a sort of macro broad sweep of creation, it's a very sort of specific and deliberate and more intimate account. And what I'd like to think for a moment is, where's the father in this passage? And what is the vision of the father? And how does he provide for that vision? And I'd like to just apply that in terms of how we can gaze into the promised land and be like Joshua and Caleb rather than the ten other other spies who freaked out. That sounds like a good exercise. Okay, great. So what happens in the story is that Adam is placed in a garden and then he is given uh, command or authority over everything that lives and uh, it's quickly understood that he needs someone to assist him. And so all sorts of creatures are brought to him, but none of them are suitable. And so then Adam is put into a deep sleep and the Lord takes a rib from him and forms woman Eve, and then they're brought together in union, and then we've got some of the sort of initial foundational marriage passages which are brought out in this um, scripture. So, you've got the Lord, you've got Adam, it's not right to be on his own. From Adam, a rib's taken, woman is formed, and then they are brought together in a union, there to be one flesh and there to move forward together. Now, one of the really fun things to do is to look for the Father in Scriptures. But I just want to, for a moment, just look at where Jesus is in this passage. I'm not saying this is the only translation or interpretation, but if you think about it for a minute, Paul refers to Jesus as the second Adam. So Adam and Eve, who obviously fell didn't work out. Um, Let's think about this in the context of Jesus. So Jesus is formed and he's born and he receives the breath of life at his baptism. When Jesus dies and is raised again, what's happening is that he is releasing a new humanity. Colossians chapter 1 refers to Jesus as being the firstborn of all creation which doesn't mean that Jesus is a created being. What it means is that when he rose from the dead, he was the firstborn of a redeemed and restored humanity. From what he has done is formed, what? A bride. And so from the life that he releases and is brought from him comes forth, of course, disciples and apostles, but comes forth the bride. And so looking at this passage, what you see is that the bride is formed from the very heart of the bridegroom. She's formed from the bridegroom. Forget our intermarriage relationships for a minute. I'm talking about Jesus and the church. She's formed from him. She is brought together in union with him. And then they are 
under the Father's gaze on the earth to live out how, how they are. So um, what we find in Revelation chapter 19 is the marriage banquet of the bridegroom and the bride brought together the celebration, the joy, where they are released together and they go forward um, on the earth. It says at the end that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. When Christ forms the church, this is why we say the church is to be a shame-free zone. Because if his blood really does cover over all of our shame and all of our iniquity, and we are welcomed before the throne of grace, then that means you and I can freely live with him face to face in union with Christ, our bridegroom, move in step with him in perfect harmony. I and the Father are one. I wish that I, I pray that you and will be me and the Father are one in John chapter 17. And we move in wonderful union with the Father's leading through the, the power and unction of Jesus released to us through the cross and resurrection, brought to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we get to be utterly before him we might wear clothes, but to be with no barrier, naked, and with no shame. And we get to live with him on the earth. Okay? So, what's going on? What you see is the Father's vision for the earth. Which is to have a bridegroom and a bride, utterly one, one flesh, a union together. And that is how... The world is meant to, you know, flow properly with those in wonderful union. That was lost. Christ, the bridegroom, has won that back, restored it back for us, and is forming this glorious bride to become pure and spotless and to live now with him in wonderful union together. That's the vision of the Father, okay? And the, the way that he provides for that, the provision of the Father is that it comes straight from the very heart of the bridegroom. You know this already, but what's interesting is that the father forms Adam, or the, the bridegroom, flipping into this analogy, puts his breath within him, then from the bridegroom is formed the bride, and so everything flows outwards from the very breath of life that comes from the Father, brought to us by Jesus, that ignites our hearts when we exercise faith through the gospel that's announced to us, that we begin to find life from within us, straight from the heart of Jesus, who brings it from the heart of the Father into us. And so everything flows from Father into the bridegroom, into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So... Does this make any sense? Okay. So on this side, we have, let's transform our minds through, you know, renewing our minds with biblical, revelatory truth, and that's how we're transformed. On this side, we have the power of encounter. And how we gaze into the promised land is we renew our minds over here, yes, but we also press the pedal on you need to reveal to me from your heart 
the things that you need to grow and birth in my life so that when I look at impossibility, I will see it as the most easily conquerable foothill that could ever be placed in front of me. I might be told that it's Everest, but to me it looks like a rolling English, green and pleasant country, rolling meadow hill that I could easily stroll over. Now that's for us individually. It's also for us as a church. So we've had our month of discernment where we're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do next? You know? Well actually we can absolutely trust that the vision of the Father is to form this wonderful bride, not in isolation, but in union with the bridegroom, who actually are released together to move in wonderful harmony and union on the earth so that we're able to just bring the gospel with love, with transformative power, with grace, with fresh creativity, with all of the things that we need to do to transform Ashington, Washington, Whiston, the South Downs, Sussex, the nation, the nations of the world, in preparation for the physical return of Jesus Christ. So, and he's going to provide for it. By taking life from his very heart and forming it in you and I as we wait on the Lord. So let me just sort of apply that more and more and more. Please let's renew our minds, but also we have to create moments where we're actually going to encounter God and receive from him his rib, (laughs) something from deep within his innermost parts. He's going to place it in our lives. You know, I don't want to rehearse things that you might have heard of before, but we could probably all tell stories of this, but there are significant Powerful moments where, is this wonderful? This sort of awakening uh, <laughs> like goes on as, as the crash go. You know, in my human flesh, when I was 32 years old, the last thing on my dream list was to take on three country parishes. <laughs> I was like, you know, send me to at least Lewis or somewhere, if not Brighton. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, somewhere where we can, I don't know, be a bit, there'll be some up-and-coming influential people, you know, whatever, in my fallen, you know, human fleshly perception of what I think God could do. But when I sat on in February 2013, about where... Paul and Serenar, just behind Gene Hatcher. Um, I just had an encounter where from the heart of God, he placed something in me which changed me, and I knew that literally it was just a matter of time before the kingdom started streaming forth in very powerful, tangible, material, spiritual ways in this place. Now, I could go on and on and on, and you could tell all of the stuff that you do, but there are these moments divine moments where God literally downloads from his heart and places stuff within us that changes us. That is, there's no amount of transforming our mind or rehearsing our scriptures. Or going, and that's not to underplay that, but where just stuff changes for us. I was talking about um, a couple of weeks about, about a lady who had an encounter with Father um, here a few weeks before. There was there's just there's stuff going on all the time But I think I just wanted to sort of bring before us that 
as we look to the future, let's get ourselves ready for revival by encountering him in such a way where whatever needs to happen, whatever thing that he wants to birth and do in us, that we are ready, but we're ready not just by working hard or rolling our sleeves up. We're ready because we've encountered and he's done it in us. And what that's done is it changes us so that when we look at the future, we're actually seeing Bring it on. I don't care how tall they are, how fortified the cities are. We know that God has said it, and therefore it's just a matter of time until he fulfills his word. Does this make sense? Okay. So, I don't think that makes any sense to us, but I don't know if you've ever heard Genesis 2 preached like that. <laughs> but I hope that it, I hope that it lands for you. And I just feel like, you know, as we, as we look at this stuff, Father is so generous and so kind. He's releasing so much encounter and revelation that through Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, he is literally taken from his heart and he is downloading that into us. So what I'd like to do, and I think we've got 10 minutes now, is I'd love, before the children are going to return, and then we've got a fire drill. And uh, Wes is going to lead us uh, through what we need to do. And it's quite prophetic, really, because essentially the fire has to go out, doesn't it? God lights fire and, and we have to scatter. So it's good, isn't it? Because sometimes the fire of God is so compelling that it's lovely to stay inside, isn't it? We've got a nice prophetic picture that we're to carry it Monday to Saturday, wherever we go. But what I, what I just felt this morning is I, I just would love to do two, uh, just offer prayer particularly for two things. As we gaze into the promised land, I just felt like Father wanted to release two things for us today. One is intimacy. And intimacy from Father is what heals disappointment and fear. How does Jesus who is the image of the invisible God, who's straight from the Father's heart. How does Jesus deal with Peter's disappointment? He cooks him breakfast and he lavishes his love. So I'd just love to just offer some prayer for an encounter with intimacy with Father. And the second thing I'd love to just pray for is the release of the Father's joy. Because I, I think... You know, one of, the, one of the gifts that he's placing in this church is that the joy of the Lord is becoming our strength. That when life is falling upon us and it's very, very challenging, that we will find a joy unspeakable, as Peter writes in his book, 1 Peter chapter 1, a joy unspeakable and that we would be full of glory. So joy and intimacy. And what I'd really simply like to do is just, if you would like to receive some of that, then I'd love you just to come from where you are. I'm going to create, create some space down the front. And we're just going to pray over you all for about five or ten minutes. And um, then we'll gather ourselves together and we'll have a fire drill. Does that sound all right? So why don't we all stand and... Um,
So if you're at the front, just move back a bit unless you want to receive. But I love, you know, how should we do this? I think let's, if you, if you would like to receive a greater encounter of intimacy with the Father, then why don't you come over here on my left, your right. And if you're looking for joy, come over on my right, your left. And um, then what I love is any of the church um, staff, any healing centre team who aren't receiving, um, just come up onto the stage and um, we're going to pray together. Come right the way forward. Um, If you're out the front, just press forward. Um, I also need to say that if you're a parent and um, you've got children in kids' church, primary school their children, you need to go now. So have a great encounter on the way. <laughs> yeah, that's good. If you um, if you've not been to a, a church where there's crazy giggles, just chill. You know. If you are full of the joy of the Lord, you're not just going to have a, a little smile that just gently cracks at the side. You're gonna you're gonna have a belly laugh. <laughs> but you don't have to have a belly laugh. You be you. But what I just want to release over all of us now is uh, just in the few short minutes that we have, I just want to tell you that the Father is here, made real to us by Jesus. <laughs> He's literally here with chariots of fire ready to open the vestry door. And... <laughs> But I just want to—I just want to release now over the whole, over you all, the Holy Spirit to release revelation now. That right now, in the next few minutes, that you'll receive from on high, that you'll receive a download from heaven. That God will speak to your innermost parts. That He will release in you His very life. That He will take from His heart. And place that in a new, a deeper way in your heart. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you just move amongst us now? Would you come and just bring such revelation of closeness and intimacy and tangible sense of Father's love amongst us?
Would you, under the, the very grace and power of your love, just heal us of sorrow and disappointment and fear. May your love gently but powerfully bind up any broken hearts, set free any captives, staff, healing centre team, just begin to move around. And Lord, may you release your joy. May you release your joy. sown in tears go out with songs of joy Just release a sound mind. Sound mind. In the love of God. That we will have the gentlest, the kindest, strongest minds. Jesus. Father, speak to your children. Speak to your sons and daughters.
just being lifted off. I just speak out a fresh hope, a fresh freedom. It's also all good. <laughs> just as we're receiving, let's keep the eyes of our hearts just fixed on Jesus. Just keep, keep looking up. Keep looking to Him. being like there are tears here there's joy joy here there's peace here there's hope here thank you lord we just honor you we say thank you jesus thank you father thank you for your faithfulness a minute or so more and then we're going to uh, just transition so let's just pray our prayers to the Lord open our hearts Christianity is not a solo adventure, but one you place us in families for. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn the light of his countenance towards you 
and this day and every day. May he fill us with his peace. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. It's good. Why don't we just use our hands to praise God? Yeah, thank you, Father. We praise your name. Okay. We're now going to have a fire drill. <laughs> seamless, seamless. So, could everybody welcome Mr. Wesley Wright? Okay, if um, just as Wes comes, do you want to try and sort of find a seat, um, or at least be close to a seat? We haven't got any sound effects, have we, Wes? Nothing of the